Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bill Alpstead. Sitting down with Keith Myers, as always, my co-host, Keith Myers, our 322nd or 23rd show all, all time. That's a, that's is a that lot all? of shows, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's a lot of shows. Um, you know, and as a, as for the most of that time, we were a weekly show. And so uh, to go that long, having not missed a week, and I mean, we've got, we went to um twice a week here it's been less than less than a year so um actually it's been what seven months um but still i mean that's a lot of shows yeah it's good to be consistent and um you know it never uh dies down for us we we're on um all year um there's definitely more than enough content to kind of stick around and um in the off season there's just you know one or two or maybe three shows that kind of stay somewhat consistent throughout the year. So it's good to be in that group and, um, and keep up on stuff. So we are in the process of doing uh, team roster evaluations across the board in different position groups. So far we've covered the quarterback group in the first week, and then we did corners and safeties in our last show um, along with, excuse me, corners in the, in the uh, show after the quarterbacks and then safeties and linebackers in our last show today we're going to move along to the um, defensive line the defensive ends edges and defensive tackles we're also going to kind of check in with the otas that have been going on this week um 
there's not a heck of a lot of news emerging out of there, but I did have a few notes and I did want to talk about a few players, some, some selective players throughout the roster, just to kind of gauge your thoughts on some, some different things. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, just thinking about uh, having these OTAs and, and what information we can get from them. And um, yeah, we're, I mean, if you're looking to find out who's going to win that quarterback battle um, this time of year, you're going to be disappointed because things like that aren't going to be decided until um, probably late August. So uh, yeah, um, it's been an, been an interesting um, few practices though. A lot of guys on the shelf with injury and we should probably talk about that. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that I, I had written down was the missing players and we can just start with the guys that aren't even, uh, participating on the field at all, and that includes safety Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs uh, mm-hmm. with the most significant uh, injuries, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Jamal with the shoulder, um, Quandre Diggs recovering from the broken leg, Marquise Blair's in that group as well. You can add running back Chris Carson there with the neck um, surgery in the offseason, receiver DK Medcalf with the foot surgery uh cornerback trey brown with the patella tendon um and then linebackers ben burkirvin and john radigan with acls uh gabe jackson and tackle uh al woods are just out because they don't want to come to otas they're just going to be at, at many at uh, regular camp tight end noah fant and rookie cornerback uh kobe bryant were uh, missing left practice um to, to handle some family stuff that's my list. I'm sure there's probably a few others uh, like yeah. Tariq Wolin and so forth who were out a day or two and then came back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not counting little insignificant <laughs> things like that. Rashad Penny missed some time with a um, a hamstring, but then he came back and, and was able to participate in the final day um, of the most recent OTA. So, yeah, I mean, there are guys that are in and out. And this time of year, the team's not going to push anyone, right? So if someone's a little banged up, they're a little sore, they sit out a day. And so then that's just kind of the way it works. Is there anything on that list at all that gives you any pause at all as far as, I know it's not the, the time of the year that you worry about such things, but um, are you are you hearing any indications at all that any of those guys will be unavailable come training camp? Chris Carson, actually. Um, Chris Carson is yet to be cleared for um to practice even at all um coach and, said he would have the information at the end of the week and i, I haven't heard from coach yeah yet, we haven't but, heard anything yeah. yet so um but i'm concerned because the neck surgery um the neck injury that he had is the same thing that um cam ended cam chancellor's career ended uh cliff averill's uh career um and now we've got um Carson with that same injury and being a running back, like think about the impact that he takes and all that kind of stuff. I know he's trying to come back. It's that he's rehabbing. He's doing that. But uh, if I'm being honest, I am, I will be surprised if he plays. And the fact that he, the team still doesn't know where he's at. They don't know, you know, the status of, of his recovery. Um, this late in the game is it's worrying. So, um, that's the only yeah, that's the okay. only only thing I'm really concerned about. Coach Pete Carroll said that uh, Chris is around the building. He's he's there, but he's not on the field. He's not really 
doing much in the way of walkthroughs or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. and he didn't have any further information. So that kind of tells you everything you really need to know. Um, if, if the team doesn't know, <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. a good sign, you know, when you're at the, at the first of, of June. It um, sounds a lot like when Cam Chancellor was um, sitting out there and not able to come back and all of that. And um, you just don't I mean, hear a lot when this you, happens. You hear nothing right? There's, because there is no news until there is news. And that news tends to never not be good if you if you wait that long for it. If there was positive things, we'd be hearing about it. We'd be hearing about him working out. We'd be hearing about him running, even if you can't. I did. I did see things. You know wh- whether I mean it's it's kind of worthless, but I did see a workout video of um, of him uh, in April, first of April, um, doing some some running, some jogging, some workouts, some agility type type stuff, but non contact, just kind of you know working out. Um, but it doesn't really doesn't really give you any indication as to what's mm-hmm. going to happen. All right. I wanted to mention um, the passing of the first general manager in Seahawks yes. franchise history, John Thompson, age 95, obviously lived a, a long, full life, um, came to the team uh, when the franchise was first uh, first arrived and mm-hmm. uh, led the team uh, through those first uh, drafts. I think he was from 75, 76 to 80. I'm just going to have the information in front of me. I think it's like 82 or something like that. Um, where he, he was, was the general, one who general hi- manager. He was the general manager who hired um, Chuck Knox. Uh, and Jack Katerra. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think he he moved on during Chuck Knox's tenure um, in Seattle. So there's that. He's also one of the people credited with the name of Seahawks. Yes. Um, that is true. And I know that ultimately that that decision was made by the owner, but he was one of the people that that championed the name because it wasn't one of the it wasn't one of the options, right? There was a there was a vote um, that was sent out that you know where, where um, people in the community could vote on the team names, and, and Seahawks was not one of the options, but it was a write in, um, you know that that some people had had, and he got word of it and liked it and pitched it to the owner and kind of pushed for it. So, it's hard to imagine any other name. Yeah. I it mean, really it just, is. it really, it's like Chinook or Saka. I mean, who knows, right? Sasquatch. It's like, what else is there? I mean, Seahawk just fits. It's like it, it, it uh, kind of mm-hmm. lends itself to the lore, the, the, the way the logo is designed of, of uh, the native, uh, folks that live in in the Seattle and Washington State area, and um, I don't know. It's just it's kind of perfect. Um, okay, so I want to talk to you. We're going to get to the defensive ends, defensive tackles, but I want to talk to you just about a few different players um, that are kind of stepping up or or expected to step up or changing positions and so forth. And the first one I wanted to talk to you about was LJ Collier. We're going to get to him here as part of the defensive tackle group because they've switched him full time into that bucket defensive tackle rushing from the three tech four tech spot away from mm-hmm. the defensive end responsibilities at five tech. He's paired there with Shelby Harris, who was uh, came over in the Denver trade. And then Quentin Jefferson uh, was assigned as a free agent to come back in. I liked the Quentin Jefferson signing. I think that's one of the most underrated signings in the off season. I saw a little stat Keith on, um, ESPN or PFF 
that showed the get-off time for defensive tackles slash defensive ends. And maybe it was just defensive tackles in the NFL. And Quentin Jefferson ranked fifth overall last year with a um, get-off-the-line-of-scrimmage time of 0.88, which was only, uh, you know, behind Aaron Donald was was the leader of the pack, followed by Chandler Jones. I think Hargraves was in there. And then a couple other guys I can't remember. Um, so that's that's pretty impressive um, for him. I think he's really going to help there. But LJ Collier is now expected to um, to be an inside pass rusher for this team. And I'm just <laughs> after last. So this is his rookie, not his rookie year, but the year before last, he had like 700 snaps um, and actually had some impressive plays, plays that mm-hmm. gave you hope that he might um, take a step forward this last year and he did quite the opposite he went from as said 560 snaps um in 2020 in 2021 he played 218 snaps mm-hmm. little effect really only had um eight tackles five quarterback hits zero sacks from that from those yeah he was a guy snaps. that um was completely invisible as a rookie might as well you know his presence on the on the roster made no impact whatsoever, then played pretty well his second year. Um, there were, there was some expectation thinking like, okay, we saw that improvement come in and, and, and improve upon it. And yeah, there was nothing um, from him last year. He's a guy that was really disappointing. Um, and part of that was the increased depth at the position. Um, and the fact that they, you know, had guys like, um, Carrie Hader uh, there um, taking snaps away from him and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also that he, it, he will, he, they want the team wanted him to move inside to the three tech and, and not just be the five tech. Um, and he did, he was unsuccessful in there and he kept losing, you know, where he was a, a healthy scratch because yes. um, Robert Kimdiche, who also was completely ineffective, um, would be active on game day um, yes. for that role. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll see where, where he comes out. He's a guy that has the strength. He's got the size. He's got the physicality to be um, a guy that does good things there, but we just haven't seen it on the inside. The, so when, I- he, when he made things happen two years ago, it was at the five tech on the outside. So I guess from my understanding is the team had originally asked him to uh, lose a little bit of weight so he could increase some of his twitchy twitchiness if he had any and some, some speed to get, you know, around the outside a little bit more. And so he came into camp at like two seventy four or something like that. And then when, when he got there, they moved him inside and he was just not prepared physically uh, beefed up enough to be able to take on that role and you you mentioned it just didn't do well and this year he's coming in at uh, 296 pounds i believe oh yeah see the last and, i saw was he was up to 291 and the team said he wasn't done yeah um so i haven't seen the 296 that's two, that's a 290, good spot for him 296 and apparently full-time three tech and they expect him to compete for that position yeah. so we'll we'll see how that goes so he sounds like he's more physically prepared to take mm-hmm. on that role this year maybe that's the difference for him 
I don't know. I mean, and I heard there was some issues with maturity uh, and so forth and understanding what it takes to be an NFL pro and all that kind of stuff. And you never know, Keith, maybe, maybe fourth year's the, the charm. They did decline his fifth year option. So this is it for him. This is really kind of a contract year. This is opportunity to show that he belongs in the NFL, not just with the Seahawks, if it should come to that. And, um, but I, I root for guys like this. You know, it's it it is what it is though. He's been ineffective so far. I'm just curious as to what your expectations would be for him. My expectations right now are they're pretty low, to be honest. Um, he's not a guy that I count in as um a contributor. And I'm sorry about that if you're listening. Um uh and Mr. Collier, but you know, you haven't shown me anything. So come in and prove me wrong. Um, but you know, if, when he's out there, I'm going to root for him because I want him to do well. If he's out there, that means he's, he's done enough. Yeah. Um, or even just in practice, I'm going to root for him because the better he is, the better the team is. So never root against a player. Um, I want to see him come out and, and do things. I just don't expect a lot from him. I think, and I think the team will be okay if he doesn't, I think they've got guys and, and the Quint Jefferson move, which you mentioned earlier is basically that it's a hedge on collier if collier has no development and and improvement it doesn't matter because and the, jefferson and the, can and shelby harris is, is doing the same thing yeah well so. shelby i have i have i have higher hopes um for shelby harris so but that's a completely different and thing. shelby harris moves you know between the five tech and the three tech um I'm going to switch gears, go to the offense, but a similar situation. So when you, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, LJ Collier came in, got hurt his rookie season in training camp, never really kind of recovered from that. And then by the time he did, I think in week four or something like that, he was behind in the depth chart, never really got a chance, came in halfway through the season, was somewhat ineffective. D. Eskridge, Keith, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the team now has uh, clearly defined roles at the top with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, it seems like the number three spot is up for grabs, although Freddie Swain performed really well last year in that utility role. Uh, but I think they're, they're, they're hoping for something a little bit more dynamic, and D. Eskridge mm-hmm. fits that bill. That's why they drafted oh, yeah. him, right? And yeah, so he's now he's coming in fully healthy. He's a apparently lost seven pounds so that he can reclaim all the speed that he had prior to the draft last year. So he's down to 190 pounds. Um, and apparently all the speed is there and he's geared up to go. Yeah. Um, he's got to stay healthy. He didn't do that um, last year, which. Oh, yeah, the devastating concussion too. Yeah. I mean, and it was, I mean, yeah, he, they, he had to go get um, special like rehab in order to, so that way he could start motion tracking and stuff like it was, that was bad. It was just unfortunate because he had the other injury and then he came back and he just took a kind of a cheap shot right on the sidelines, which, which knocked him out. And that concussion yeah. knocked him out for like um, four weeks. If I remember right. No longer. Was it full, longer than that? Full seven games, but he really didn't come back until week 10 after the bye. Yeah, it was, I mean, <clears throat> he's a guy with tremendous upside and talent and we just didn't get a chance to use any of that last year. And that's unfortunate. Um, but there's there's a lot of talent there. He's a guy. He's a weapon. He's just straight up a weapon. You can line him up uh, in the slot. You can line him up on the outside. His speed is, um, you know, crazy. And his quickness on top of that speed, like his ability to to change direction and get open in short 
um, space is great. And then once you get in the ball, because he's got that speed, he can take it, you know, the distance. I'm excited for him. I, I want to see him out there. I'm I'm ready for him to come in and make an impact. And I, you know, if he doesn't come in and make an impact, well, then the team might be looking for a um, another option as a third wide receiver next year. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! You have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, so this was the the week that the rookies took the field for the first time with the veterans. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. Um, there's a little piece on Seahawks.com, a new series they're doing, um, Sights and Sounds, something like that. And the first one came out um, Wednesday, and it shows the draft, the draft process the phone calls to the players, the players coming in the building, their first mini camp and so forth. I highly recommend people go out and look for that um, to watch that. If you subscribe to uh, Seahawks.com on their um, YouTube channel, uh, it'll be up there. Um, also, I wanted to talk to you just a minute about the roster impact changes that the league made. Um, you've got... The roster is going to be cut down to 85 players after the first preseason, 80 players after the second preseason, and then 53 after the first, uh, third preseason. Last year, it was just all at the same time. Boom. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of going back to the staggered um, player cuts. And then um, they made some updates to the uh, practice squad and eligible to return to, uh, to the roster from injured reserve. You can do that after four games this year. I believe last year it was three games. So that delays it a little bit. The practice squad increases to 16 players. And then there's some eligibility for call-ups increased from two games to three games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just helps a little bit kind of manage that roster. Um, yeah. Increases um, the roster a little bit. It makes it easier for teams I to kind like, of hold on to players. I like the 16-player uh, practice squads. I mean, that's a lot more yeah. players and it just, more it just three years ago, two years ago, it used to be 10. So this is a lot better, a lot easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I think that you used to see this with Seattle a lot where they would, they had guys that were on the practice squad and then back off. And a week later they were back on and then they were back off. And it was basically like a shadow roster. You know, you had a, a 10 man, um, practice squad that had 16 guys on it and everyone just took a turn as who was um, on it and who wasn't. And I didn't like that because you have these guys that are basically full-time, you know, practice squad members that were getting half pay. 
uh, for it because they spend mm-hmm. half the time not on the roster. Um, and so getting them where they can actually be on the roster the whole time is good for them. It's good for the team. Um, it allows the scout team to, you know, have a little bit of, um, you know, continuity where you've got the same kind of the same guys learning the opposing team's offense and, and, you know, get, helping the defense get prepared and that kind of stuff um, week in and week out. And so it's, there's a lot to like there. And it, yeah, you're right about it. it allowing teams to hold on to players a little bit more, but every team now has more spots to hold on to players. It just, it, it expands the player pool. It's a bunch of jobs that were just created for football players. And how can we not like that? I agree. Okay, so let's get to the roster. Um, we we dipped into the defensive ends a little bit on our linebacker show because there's some crossover there. Um, we mentioned players like Daryl Taylor, Shelby Harris mm-hmm. already, uh, Alton Robinson, LJ Collier now. There's really not a lot behind that. Um, we can talk about uh, Boye Mafe and Tariq Smith, our draft picks. Uh, They're going to be integrated into that list now. And then Alex uh, Changum is the other guy along with Marcus Webb that's on their defensive end list. Um, guys that were hanging around the practice squad for the most part. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the guys that were the guys that are listed as, as defensive ends right now. There's a bunch of them that are outside linebackers in a three, four. So, so talk to everyone about that. Like, what is what are the two defensive end position groups within the roster right now as you define them and who's in those buckets as as you as you understand it well i'm trying to look at 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 our roster as a 3-4 roster so a lot of the players that are listed as defensive ends are really outside linebackers and we're talking about Daryl Taylor Alton Robinson Boye Mafe um even Alex Chingham, um, Ty- Ty- Tyreek Smith. Yeah. I mean, these are guys that are outside linebackers in, in the, in a three, four. Um, and what that does is that means that guys that, you know, Shelby Harris, it's two eighty eight, and LJ Collier, who's two ninety. Um, these are your defensive ends because you've only got three defensive linemen now, right? You've got your nose tackle and your, and your, your two ends. One's a three tech and one's a five tech. And you're like, wait, a three tech is a defensive end. And you're like, well, that's what happens when you've only got three defensive linemen. <laughs> um, and so we are looking at, at a, a kind of a different system and a different way of thinking about it. Defensive ends are no longer um, small, twitchy, so when you, corner guys. When you talk about a three, four alignment, what's that look like on X's and O's um, at the line of scrimmage? So are you, even though it says three, four, sometimes we might have four. Oh, yeah. the line of scrimmage or five even five sometimes right so so how does so that what work? you'll what you have is it's not completely unlike what seattle had before where seattle had an offset for three um and that meant that we had a nose tackle we had a three and a five tech um the three we count we called a defensive tackle the five was a defensive end and then we had our um seven tech or the leo on the other side and the strong side linebacker up at the line of scrimmage the strong side linebacker didn't put his hand on the ground but he was still up at the line of scrimmage um really had this five guys across the front um now we've we're by calling it a three four well we've got a nose tackle and the three and five tech that should sound familiar um lining up in exactly the same spot as it was before 
Um, we've still we've also got the strong side linebacker in exactly the same spot. I'm the gonna stop you really this, quick. Yeah. What uh, on the alignment on the gap assignments, Keith? Mm -hmm. I'm understanding that the gap assignments in the three four are slightly shifted. So while you're saying the three four, those three are familiar. They're lining up exactly the same spots. I'm understanding that they're they're shifting so that they can one and a half gap now as opposed to yeah. one so, one gap or two gap. I mean, there will be some. There will be, um, you know, the, the three tech might line up in the as a two tech um, or a four tech instead, and and they're gonna. That's gonna be multiple. These are some. These are somatics. I mean, they are. Normal but fans aren't gonna look at this. Yeah, it's go, very whatever. This is this is very wonkish. Just trying, you know, <laughs> Sorry. we get lost in these weeds right. forever. Right. Um, but what it comes down to is, I don't believe, and having looked at um, what. Uh, these coaches when they were when they coached in chicago what that system did they're not going to be two gapping very much um two gapping means that instead of having a single gap assignment and your job is just to get in in that spot between offensive linemen and 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 do your thing there two gapping means you you stack uh, um an offensive lineman and read the running back and you either shed um either inside or outside um, into one of the two gaps on either side of you, depending on where the running back goes. Um, I don't believe this team is going to be going to be doing a lot of two gapping just do based you, on you, the Chicago. Do you think that they're going to be doing team. a lot of um, penetrating to a certain point and and holding? Yes, and that's really so what describe, you describe that. So what that means is is that you you still it's kind of going back to more of a a four three concept where you have a single gap, but you don't just shoot your that gap and keep going because what happens is if um, you leave yourself open to cutbacks and the guy, the running back can run behind you. So instead you shoot the gap and then stop. Um, and basically you create um, a problem. We make the running back run around you and give the linebackers an extra second. So to, it forces um, things out wide as does. opposed to, to trying to come through the middle. Yep. And you, by doing that, you have, um, you, you have, by having five guys in the line of scrimmage, you have, um, you know, what would be considered a bare front up front. And then the two outside linebackers, um, both either on the line of scrimmage or within a yard of it, um, there you're forcing, you're forcing the runs into those players. Their job is to force it, to keep it from getting even wider and allow the inside linebackers to come up and make a play. And so you end up with multiple guys really making it hard for the running back to get going. And, and they don't get to choose where they're going to run because you, you're you dictating that to them. Okay. So now I want to get back to the original question, which is, okay, which bucket does some of these players fall into? You talked about Daryl Taylor and Alton Robinson. And... I think they're outside linebackers. Okay. Um, to me, I look at when I look at the, the people who are listed as defensive ends on this roster, I see um, Collier and Harris um, as the two guys that are going to stay on at, or as defensive linemen and not end up as an outside linebacker in terms of where they line up. Assuming that this team really does make the transition to a 3-4. And then you might add Quentin Jefferson to that pile just because he's the more athletic of the defensive tackles and he's probably yeah. closer to Shelby Harris than anybody. Yeah. And so to me, like, you know, I would definitely put him there. I mean, he was a defensive end 
um, on the roster last time he was here. So he, he belongs there. Um, and then all, all the defensive tackles also all fit. So the defensive line is just those three spots. And it's, it's all guys that are going to be 290 or, or, or above. So uh, let's talk about the, the nose tackle in this scheme then. Um, so let's talk about Puna Ford. Let's talk about Al Woods. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Brian Mon- Monet. What do you see in that group? I mean, you got two run stuffers in Monet and, and Woods. Monet is more of a space eater. I, they've listed him as 345 pounds um, so on the worry. roster. If you've, if you've seen him. <laughs> He's a monster. It, if you've seen him, the the last time he was two hundred and forty or three hundred and forty five pounds was when he was like a um, junior in high school. This is a, a mammoth human being who played that three sixty in college, and I don't believe he's any smaller now. Um, not disruptive, but man, that guy eats up space. Um, Al Woods at three thirty eats up a lot of space, but he actually has strength to um, truly truly be disruptive. And then Puna Ford is just, I mean, he's only 3'10", but he, and he's also only 5'11". Um, just a phenomenal player and with natural leverage. He's always underneath um, the center and guards pads. Um, all three of those guys can play that position. Uh, Puna's been the starter at nose tackle for years, but honestly, with the new um, defense, he needs to be at the three-tech. Um and you let Al Woods be the starter at the nose tackle. I just think that that is a better use of the talents of both of those players. What do you expect to happen? What do I expect to happen? I expect Puna Ford to be the nose tackle because he's just damn good at it. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty good at it. You know, I he, he is. He's 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 kind of in between. So he's somewhat underrated in in certain aspects and other things. Like I think stopping the run, he's not quite as stout as you would might want to be, but he's so athletic and he's so leverage oriented with the, with mm-hmm. his height and squattiness. He's able to take advantage of some of those matchups that he's got. Okay. I wanted to I ask think, you about it. I still ahead. think Puna Ford is a natural three tech playing out of position. Um, and I think his, um, yeah, he's his, shown that he's shown his, the ability to get upfield. Yeah. His skill set um, to me says he needs to be moved over and you let Al Woods have that starter starting job at the um, nose tackle. And then you have, um, you know, Shelby Harris at the five tech and that will be your starting defensive line. And honestly, that is a pretty damn good starting defensive they, line. They do have some game. options here. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned with the depths. Miles Adams, Jared Hewitt, Miles, Niles Scott. Uh, if you go over to the other side, LJ Collier, Tan, uh, Changum, Marcus Webb, those guys really aren't offering a lot. Those are just Mm-mm. pieces. I think LJ Collier is probably going to have a hard time even making the roster with this group. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of players, and in, 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 um, specifically, I'm hearing like a, a lot of buzz about Boye Mafi. Like mm-hmm. Michael Bumpus came out and said, based on what he's hearing, what he's seen, he expects Mafi to lead the team in sacks this year. Now, you can say that Daryl Taylor's only had six and a half sacks uh, of the remaining players on the roster. He leads the group and, and the guy that's had the most sacks in a year. So it's not a huge stretch to say Boye Mafe might be in that conversation. Um, I want to talk to you about that. And I want to talk to you about Alton Robinson. Like, what do you expect from Alton Robinson this year, given the group that we have? And then what do you, are you hearing anything about Mafe? 
So Mafe is a guy that the team is super excited to get him. Like they did not expect him to be available at all where they drafted him. You and I did not expect him to be available there. Like we, we thought, thought he was going to go uh, yeah, much earlier. Within the last week or so of the of the draft process leading up to it, we were hearing tons of, of um, talk and chatter about him moving into the back of the first round. Yeah. I mean, we were expecting him to be picked in, you know, like, 28 29 somewhere in there and so for him to be available you know in the 40s was crazy um this is a guy with tremendous um ability to off the get off the ball get up field get around a corner he's he's going to be a special player as an outside linebacker i understand the team's first choice was a bacchetti um and he he came off the board like three picks earlier and and they shifted they they moved but they were plenty happy with this with this pick as well oh yeah i mean Okay. Um, they were in a position where they option one A or one B. It's like the people at the top of the yeah. draft that well, were it was, that, you know, had was, all, he was they had more those, refined those three guys. than, yeah. than Mafe. Mafe's got the raw upside up I yeah. personally go with that because of the where the roster's at uh, mm-hmm. in, as a whole. You're I not looking for a guy, guy that's gonna yeah, I mean, this team isn't ready to compete for a Super Bowl right now. Get Go with the higher upside guy and develop him. You'll have a better player a year from now. Um, and so I, sure, I, I I love the pick, and I still do. Um, I expect, I have I have high expectations for him. Him leading the, the, um, the team in sacks wouldn't surprise me because he's going to be lining up on the weak side outside linebacker in a 3-4. So, um, you know, this system that they run, um, is, you know, as a one gap three, four is much like what, um, you know, the 49ers ran during the Harbaugh years. And so basically they're putting him in the Alden Smith role. They're going to, they're going to dial this thing up to allow him I mean, wow. to go after. I mean, Alden Smith, I think when he was a rookie, dude, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that guy have like 15 sacks or something? 16, like that? 16 sacks his rookie year. And then like 20 the following year. But you have, I mean, he was a special talent um, and was in a system that was designed to take advantage of his special talent. Um, Mafe is going to be in a similar situation where he's going to be the guy that's featured as a pass rusher. They're going to create situations where he can just get to the quarterback um, and use all that talent to get there Um, and not asking him to beat a guy one-on-one in order to get there just use your speed go after him so if for him to lead the team in sacks uh i hope so because if he doesn't that that's that that either means that um someone else is having a monster year and i can Darryl Taylor. that too yeah. daryl taylor who's going to be coming off coming off the edge from the other side or it means that he really didn't have a good year and that would be disappointing but um daryl taylor is going to be coming in um from on this off the strong side um, which is a harder spot to attack um, the quarterback from because you've got a tight end there. You've got farther to go. Um, you've also got more responsibilities as far as like you have to read and, and set an edge and and um, there's more thinking and less just going after the quarterback um, than the weak side. So I think he'll be fine. I think, I think Daryl Taylor um, should improve on last year's sack total go from six and a half to eight and a half or something like that. But Mafi is going to have the opportunity 
to go after you know 12 especially with a guy like daryl taylor who's probably going to command some double teams um, Mm -hmm. now and again it'll be interesting so well and shelby harris is going to command some double teams i think he's the underrated part of this entire thing um shelby harris go back and rewatch denver play um last year and you're going to notice shelby harris in the backfield a lot he pretty much lived i got it in the backfield i have a question for you so should we be including uchenna nuasu in this conversation yeah i mean we're talking him as as he's an outside linebacker he's a guy that's going to be there i think that um nuasu and 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 he had five and a half sacks last year with with the chargers true he did uh i think he's more of an like he did have five and a half sacks but go look at the number of of snaps that he had to get there to me he's more of an off the line of scrimmage guy like they're going to bring him at times but they're going to ask him to set an edge they're going to ask him to play the run um he's Mm -hmm. going to be a guy that that just um has a lot of other responsibilities so you're thinking that that daryl he's the it's daryl taylor and nuasu on on one side and alton robinson and And moffay on the other other. yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. fun with but Jordan the, Brooks yeah. fill with Jordan Brooks filling holes and Al Wood and Quentin Jefferson. Like I think this group is underrated. What I was gonna ask you, um, and we should probably wrap up because we're getting to 40 minutes here. Um, we've done the entire defense now. Yeah. Uh, in the last three shows. Um, give me your thoughts overall on what you think. I think the front seven is underrated. I think people are not given the front seven enough credit. Um, especially because I mean, you got guys like Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe that are that are still unknowns, but I think also Puna Ford and um, you know Shelby Harris aren't give, being given the credit that they deserve. I think the front seven is is underrated. I think the back four is um, there's a yeah. lot of there's there's talent I mean, right right now, dude. It's but, Sydney Jones and yeah. then a whole bunch of un, unknown type stuff. I mean Trey Brown's and, coming off injury, so we don't know. Artie Burns has not been hugely successful. Kobe got, Bryant's a rookie. Tariq Wollen's a, a Justin rookie. Coleman had a down year last year. Yeah. So I think that, that that's the that's the concern is at cornerback. And even at safety, you've got two guys that are that are coming off um surgeries, you know, pretty major injuries. And um as your starters, and you've and in that is Jamal Adams, who I is best used at the line of scrimmage, but doesn't have the body type to withstand that right. punishment. Right. Um, he's and so <laughs> you don't want him as a deep safety because that's not his skill set. But if you play him more, he's good and he's great when he's up near the line of scrimmage. Just one of the best. Um, he doesn't seem to hold up durability wise, and so and you I, have, I have Marquis some, Blair to that pile too, and who also has had some durability problems. And by that he means he hasn't really played for two years. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, the the back four tend to me. It, it, there's talent. Don't get me wrong. There's talent. If things fall together, this defense could be real good. But there's a lot of question marks on the back end, and I think the front seven is going to be good, like real good. I think, I think that the might, might help is, the back. Uh, it know, will absolutely it will. But I still think that as far as talent and talent deficit and that kind of stuff, the back four is um, it's where the question marks are. At least for me, that's where that's where I'm worried. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's get out of here. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about the offense um, beyond the quarterback position. And, we should start, uh, we should we should do the offensive line. 
because everyone loves it when we talk offensive line. Why don't we knock that out, Keith? Okay, let's do that because that's <laughs> it's my favorite group to talk about. Um, I love the big uglies, but um, yeah. we'll get past Memorial Day. Everybody yeah. can have a great time, and everybody will be ready mindset wise to come back and like come back down to earth with the offensive line and the road graders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the offensive line this year. Why don't you take over? Why don't you you just lead that show, and I'll cool. just kind of fill in some gaps. Yeah. It's a fun show, but only to me. Most people are like, oh, my God, do I have to talk about the offensive line again? Actually, it's an exciting time. You got a couple new players <laughs> and, and a, a, a free agent that we signed. Um, so, you know, it's it's there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Three, right. new starter, three new starters on the offensive line. Yeah, and I'm not sold on play. So we'll have to, I'll have to get that. You don't need to. All right. He's a starter anyway. <laughs> no, that's true. Right. All right. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Subscribe, tell your friends, and um, share it for us. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.